Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. And I get to leave the, the, the justice system and I go to a higher place. I go up into the mercy and the grace of God. So I started saying, well, justice is good, but mercy's better. The law is good, but grace is better. Right? Now, if you're going to be in grace, uh, grace is a wonderful place to be because the devil can't get you here. Now, if it was possible to live perfectly in grace, he could not lay a finger on you because there's no grace for him. He is stuck with a justice level. And his whole plan is to try to trick me into coming back to a justice level where he can then get at me somewhat. And so my intent is to live totally up here in the grace of God. Now let's go to Matthew 18, <clears throat> and we'll read about uh, God's amazing grace. This is a story about forgiveness. And verse 21, we'll start. Peter, who's been hanging around with Jesus for a while, we don't know how long, at what point this story was, but let's say it's like a year, whatever, and he's starting to figure it out. So he comes to him and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, what would you answer to that question? What have you answered as you've gone through life? Well, that was once, okay. Well, now they did it again. Mm. My grandfather told me a Reader's Digest story years ago. And Carol hates this story. I don't know why, but I thought it was neat. But <laughs> anyway, it was people, this couple got married. A, horse and buggy day, so 150 years ago. And, uh, you know, they, they came out of the church and got in the buggy, and off they go down the road. Well, wouldn't you know, the horse tripped and fell and bounced them around. You know, the roads weren't so great in those days and everything, and almost threw them out of the buggy. But And the guy is furious, you know, and he gets out, and he goes around and jerks the horse up on its feet and everything. And he's mad, and he gets, sits down beside his new bride, and he says, that's once. Well, they go down the road a little more, and the horse fell again. And he's furious this time. And he goes out, and he hops and pops and blusters and gets the horse back up on its feet again. And he comes in and sits down beside his new bride, and off they go. And he says, that's twice. Well... As you're probably anticipating, <laughs> the horse fell the third time. He's furious. He jumped out of the buggy, draws his revolver, bang, 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 shot the horse dead. Then he comes around to his bride, and she's looking at him, and then she, she let loose on him. Well, you crazy idiot. You've gone and shot the horse. Now what are we going to do? And he looked up at her, and he said, that's once. 
Now, why doesn't Carol think that's funny? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, don't we do that? Three strikes and you're out. So Peter is asking Jesus this question because he's just like he's forgiving everybody all the time. So, Lord, how often when my brother sins against me, how often uh, should I forgive him? And he's like, seven times? I could just picture this. He, He goes up on his toes like, Am I getting it right, Lord? Am I getting it? And he's expecting a pat on the back. You know, he's expecting, way to go, Peter. Come on, you're getting it, aren't you, man? Give me five, you know. But he's like, Peter, no. Not seven times. Seventy times seven. See, see, this forgiveness thing, this is really important, everybody. Because this can short-circuit your salvation if you're not careful. And it can certainly block your blessing if you're not careful. Well, the, the surprise on Peter's face, he's, he's like, what? And he can't believe what he's just heard. So Jesus now tells him a story. Let's read the rest of it. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. You know the Lord wants to settle accounts with you. When he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now what that is, that's a lot of money. A talent of silver is about 80 pounds. And there's 10,000 of these. We're, We're talking about $200 million here in today's money. And he was not able to pay. He'd lost it all. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children all that he had and that payment be made. Now, we're at a justice level here. Is the master right or wrong? How many agree? The master is right. He's within his rights. Hardly any hands went up. How many think the master's wrong? How many think the master's right? How many don't know what the heck to think? (laughs) See, if you go into debt and sign a contract, it reads something like this. We will give you the money to go ahead and buy this nice new Tesla. But if you don't make the payments, we're going to take your Tesla away. Is that right? And that's fair enough, isn't it? Because the deal was you would make the payments and, and, you know, you'd pay the thing off. Well, this guy is $200 million and he can't pay. And the the lender, he wants his money back because he wants to invest in other things and get other projects going or whatever it is. And this guy can't pay. Well, he falls on his knees hearing, okay, Your wife's going to be sold. Your children are going to be sold. We'll cash in on all your assets. Get 10 cents on the dollar if we can. And you're going to be in in prison or in slavery a very long time. He falls on his knees and he begs for more time. Give me more time and I'll pay you all. And the master's, he's like, you know what? More time's not going to help you. 
You don't have 10 lifetimes. And he has mercy on him and forgives him the debt. He said, you know what? Go home. You're, I free you. I cancel. Now, who paid the debt? The master took the hit. Yeah? And he paid the bill. That's exactly what our master did. So it wasn't that the debt, debt just went away. Somebody paid it. It wasn't the guy who owed it, but it was the one who was owed. And he paid your debt. And that guy left the justice level. He walked out of court that day, and he went to a higher place called the place of a free gift, grace. And he told his wife, honey, let's go out for dinner. We don't owe the money anymore. He canceled the debt. He let me off free. This is amazing. Verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarius is about a day's pay. So it's a hundred days' pay. Three and a half months' pay. What's that in Michigan? $10,000? More or less, depending. Depends if you're a pastor or a lawyer or, or what. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him uh, 300 denarii, and he laid hold hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So the fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. So what's that look like? He's up here in grace. He's reveling and celebrating the fact that he's out of debt. He doesn't owe the money anymore. And then he remembers, you know, Andrew, he owes me about 10 grand. He promised to pay. And so he leaves the place of free gift, and he returns to a justice level, and he goes over and says, Give me my money. We have a contract here, and I want it, and I want it now. Well, he says, I can't pay you. I don't have it. Give me time. Same kind of answer. But he would not. He took him by the throat and threw him into prison and said, you'll stay there till I get my money. Well, how many can see that's not quite right now? Now, under the law, he's entitled to get his money back, but he's not under the law, really, because he took a free gift, and he's, he went, he, he's, in, he's in a higher place called grace. So when you leave grace and come back to a justice level, what you're saying is, I want mercy for me, but justice for those who owe me. You know, it just doesn't fly. Because the other Christians are going to tell the Lord on you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to find out about it. 
And he's going to say, come here. I want to talk with you. You miserable servant. I forgave you all that great debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity and compassion on you? And the answer is? The answer is? Yes. So let's read it. The master, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me? Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. Who are the torturers? That's the demons, isn't it? He let the enemy at him. Until he should pay all that debt that was due him. And then these words, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I initialed that verse in my Bible because I don't ever want to forget that. You might want to initial it in your Bible so that on Judgment Day, you can say, well, apparently I read and understood that verse. <laughs> this is important stuff. This is so important because it's a key to freedom and healing and deliverance. See, because if I go after Andrew for a mere $10,000, when I've been forgiven millions myself, $200 million versus 10, if I come out of grace and start demanding justice, the enemy now has an opportunity. And he says, God, do you see what that John Arnott's doing? He wants grace for him, but justice for those who owe him. And so uh, he's back in a justice level. So therefore, I have the right to come after him for everything he owes. And the father, being perfect in justice, even though he loves me passionately, is going to say, you have the right, the legal right, to go after him. So... Where's my safe place? Back up here. Here's where I want to be. You know, um, I have to know that God is very big and very nice. And, and knowing that and how loving, loving he is and wonderful he is, I can stay up here. Because up here is where the river flows. And so... All right, I can say, you know what? God was generous to me. I gen I'm generous to you. Forget the, forget the debt. I tear it up. You owe me nothing. How can I afford to do that? Because I'm in the place of grace, and it's in this place that blessing flows my way. So I'm just going to trust God to more than make it up for me. 
And he will. Because he's a good, good father. Do you guys sing that here, Cameron? Good, good father. Uh, one more, Matthew 6. The Lord's Prayer, which is the model prayer that Jesus taught for us to say. And, uh, you know, we used to rattle it off as kids, right? But look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Did you ever notice that? That's like saying, forgive me to the degree that I forgive those who owe me. Did you catch it? If you're not forgiving those who owe you, every time you say that prayer, it just reminds the devil that he has legal right to block your blessing. And it goes on. Do not lead us into testing, I like to say, because God doesn't tempt people to sin. We morph the meaning of that word a little bit. Deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and all men. And that's where most people stop. They finish reading there because it says, amen, that's the end. But it doesn't stop. It goes on. That thought goes on for two more verses. Four, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Tell somebody, hey, if you, if you forgive your Father, I'll forgive you. Now let's read the next verse. But, say but, if you do not forgive those, uh, forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father, do you guys say neither or neither here? Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow. And so unforgiveness is the only thing I've been able to find in all the New Testament that can negate your salvation. Is it any wonder that the enemy is all over this one? When we were praying for people last night and yeah, recently here even, uh, one of the things I, I said to them was, well, whose fault was your accident? Well, it was my own stupid fault, right? Well, why don't we just forgive ourselves for that and step out of the justice level and come on up into grace where the river flows and give yourself a gift you don't deserve legally. And so she did it, and boom, the pain left. Isn't that amazing? And see, so as long as we hold ourselves at a justice level, um, the enemy can block the river of what God wants to do in terms of blessing you, whether it's healing you or, or freeing you or whatever. And I've, I've seen this so many times. I can't, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've seen miracles because of this principle of forgiveness here. And you know, a lot of families need reconciliation among themselves. I preached this in Chicago one time with Nancy Majera, and there was a lady there who came up to the front, like I'm gonna ask many of you to do in a moment, and, uh, and she, she repented and, 
and forgave a bunch of people, and, and she got, you know, wonderful peace and everything. She went home to her mother, who was 93, in a nursing home, told her mother the whole message. And her mother says, oh, my goodness, there's something I have to do. And she phoned her sister-in-law to ask forgiveness, who she had not spoken to for 75 years. Well, I heard that story. I mean, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. So how does that, what, what happens? Well, something happened 75 years ago that upset her. And it's like, I'm not apologizing to her. She's got to come and apologize to me. And people dig their heels in. After a while, they can't even remember what they're upset about. They just know that it's, I'm not going to yield. She's going to give in. And the other side is saying, I'm not going to yield. She has to give in. And so there they are, 75 years later. And so the enemy robbed that family of relationship between brother and sister and sister-in-law for 75 years. And they got on the phone and broke it as soon as she heard how important this message is. And see, the scripture says what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So in other words, what you bind is bound, and what you loose is loosed. Isn't that good? And so when you start forgiving and loosing people, and hey, you don't owe me anything anymore. Nobody owes me anything. Compared to the mountain of debt that God forgave me for, nobody owes me anything. And you let it go. And, and I've seen families supernaturally um, w w that have been alienated for 10 years, 15 years. You know, people will come to the front and forgive that brother, that uncle, that grandmother, that whatever, father, mother. Uh, father and mother are usually the big ones. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, they haven't heard from their dad in 15 years, they get a text that says, hi, sweetheart, I'm thinking of you right now. I hope you're okay. Love, dad. And they're like, what? <laughs> I haven't heard from you in 15 years. What the heck? And then they remember, I just forgave him last night. Oh, my gosh, what I loose is loosed. You see, when, when you get up into grace, there's a river that flows up here. And it's a river of joy and a river of peace and a river of a love and a river of forgiveness, a river of healing and blessing. And God wants to bless you uh, unless there's a legal uh, argument from the enemy that says he, you can't bless her because of this or that. He will not become imperfect and unjust for any one of us. He can't. Or he's not perfect anymore. You see? How many are glad God's perfect? How many want him to stay that way? Okay, so he needs, he needs to do the right thing. And when you start forgiving, man, oh man, it just releases it. Now this can be little things like that little family argument I told you about. Or it can be big things We've had people, uh, like one guy named Richard, his son was shot dead, killed him, a drug dealer. And it was mistaken identity, but that doesn't bring your son back. 
and uh, they all went to court. The guy was put sent to prison, and there he is in prison saying, oh, God, I've ruined my whole life. You know, what am I going to do? Help me, God. And it's like the heaven is brass. He's getting nowhere. But meanwhile, Richard is grieving over his son. God, what am I going to do? And the Lord says, Richard, there's only one thing that you can do. That is, you need to start working through forgiveness. And so he prayed and eventually got to the point where, yeah, I know, Lord, I need to, I need to do the unthinkable and forgive this creep for taking the life of my son. And so eventually uh, he, he thought, I, I need to really do it. So he wrote a letter and said, my name is Richard. You remember me from court. I'm the father of the young man you killed. Uh, but I want you to know I'm a Christian and I am choosing to forgive you. I forgive you. You owe me nothing. May you find the Savior as I have found him. Includes a New Testament and sent it off. Well, the guy got that letter and he, he just broke. He just undid him. He collapsed on his knees and he wept his way through to salvation and he found Jesus Christ. And eventually he wrote a letter back that said, thank you so much, Richard, for your letter. And I mean, it meant the world to me. And I want you to know I found Jesus as a direct result of that. And so letters began to go back and forth over a couple of years. And then Richard felt like, um, I need to go and see this young man and just tell him face to face as much for my own sake and my own closure as for him. And he made arrangements with the prison chaplain to meet him in the chapel, and he also said, I, we want, I want to wash his feet. So they met, and there they are in the chapel, and the guy says, I cannot allow you to wash my feet. If anything, I need to wash your feet. And so there they are in floods of tears as they washed each other's feet. <coughs> then Richard said to me later on a subsequent visit to our church in Toronto, he said, John, as strange as it may seem, that young man is not the same young man that killed my son. He's a new creation in Christ. And in fact, he's become like a son to me. I just wept when I heard that story. I thought, only you could pull that off. I mean, <laughs> that is so supernatural, isn't it? Yeah. We have stories of women who were raped and all kinds of things and all the unpacking and what happened when they forgave and children that were abused. And that was one of the hardest ones. How does a father forgive a grandparent for sexually abusing their three-year-old little girl. But see, terrible things happen, and terrible things have happened to you. And some are big, and some are small. And under a justice system, you're entitled to hold on to your bitterness, and to want revenge, and to want justice. And justice is good. It's, it's just that if you want justice, uh, then you receive justice also. 
But the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy, right? So if you really want to be free, and we were singing that, freedom, if you really want freedom, how many want to be free? Okay, then you need to offload the baggage because holding on to unforgiveness is like taking poison hoping the other guy will die. It's, it's not good for you to hold on to unforgiveness. And so based on what Jesus has, has done, you know, do you remember what he said when he's hanging on the cross? He said a few things, but what I'm thinking of is this. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now imagine if he had said, Father, come and give these murderers what they deserve. It puts a whole different feel on things, doesn't it? Let's all stand together. Lord, I thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the free gift that gives us salvation. I really, really thank you for it. And it may be that some of our friends here have been hurt by others. Now, let me just say, is there anybody in the room who has never been hurt by another person? <laughs> Wave excitedly if that's you. <laughs> and I just want to say, don't worry, your turn will come. <laughs> okay, so we're all in this, aren't we? And... Uh, I want you to think about giving that undeserving person a gift that they don't deserve so that you can come out into freedom. Now, the one I struggled with the most was forgiving my first wife. And so our marriage ended. And the more I tried to fix it, the worse it got. And there's separation, and I finally got divorce in the mail. And I was furious over it. I was so angry I could have killed two people. And I can remember having it out with the Lord one night, saying, Lord, part of me wants to just say, forget it. If this is the thanks I get for serving you with all my heart, then I'm just going to go out, eat, drink, and be merry and party on. But I said, but I've come too far with you. I know too much. And I came to the conclusion that if you don't fix this, then I want something better. And so that brought me peace, actually. I either get this fixed or I get something better. And as it turned out, I got something better. But it was hard. And I hated what it did to my two girls. It messed them up. Still to this day a little bit, you know. Even though we've worked through it all. But that and worse has happened to many of you. Yeah? And you need to make a decision. Are you going to let this sink you? Or cripple you? Or are you going to just... Lay it down at the foot of the cross 
and move on into the grace and freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many here have somebody that you really need to forgive? Raise your hand unashamedly. And please don't be ashamed of this. Just, but I want you to come into freedom. And why this is important, because it affects you even physically. You know, stress is a killer, and, and the blocking of grace can, can cause you to, to, to not, not receive your healing, and on and on I could go. But if that which we loose is loosed, then miracles come your way. So if you're ready to forgive some people, others, or even yourself, or even God, I want you to just come and gather around the front here. Just get out of your seat and come forward so that you have a sense of, I'm dealing with this tonight. And who are the people that's hurt you? Father, mother, how many girls have been hurt by a boyfriend? How many boys have been hurt by a girlfriend? Not as many. Come closer. Come on up in the platform even. I want you to have a sense that you're dealing with it. Come on. Come up. Yeah. Closer, closer, closer. Make room. How many need to forgive their father for something? He abandoned us. He abused us. He didn't care about us. How about your mother? Carol's issue was her mother. Her mother was just so wounded, she didn't know how to love. And... Uh, Carol was 60 years old. Her mother was 90 before she ever heard the words, I love you, Carol. You know, that's wrong, isn't it? It's just, some people are just so wounded that they can't, they can't function, and so we call it dysfunctional. Hands up if you need to forgive your father. Hands up if you need to forgive your mother. All right, let me ask the question another way. How many here would like to be exactly like your father? One? Two? So in the areas where you don't want to be exactly like them, that may mean there's hurt there and judgment there. How many want to be exactly like your mother? Come on, this is, this is Northwest Michigan. This is where all the healthy, functional families are in the country. I got to have one. I got to have one, one who wants to be exactly like their mother. Well, that may mean there's hurt there and therefore a judgment there. Can you forgive them? Not can you, will you? Will you? 
Will you? Yes. Louder? Yes. How about grandparents, brothers, sisters, siblings, uh, aunts, uncles, neighbors, school teachers, pastors? Uh, anybody here heard in church besides me? Um, the military, that ethnic group, uh, whoever they are, why don't we just give everybody a gift of our forgiveness right now? Say it after me. Lord, I choose, Lord, I choose to forgive my father, forgive my father for, everything, for everything, abusing me, abandoning me, not giving me the love I needed. Dad, you owe me nothing. And he could be dead, but that's okay. We forgive. You, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. I tear up the IOU. I throw it at the foot of the cross. Mom, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. I understand that Worse things even happened to you, and that's why you were the way you were. But from a child's perspective, I didn't know that. I forgive you, Mom. You owe me nothing. I tear it up. I throw it at the foot of the cross. I forgive my siblings. I forgive my grandparents, I forgive my neighbors, my teachers, my friends, my boyfriends or girlfriends, my husband or wife, my ex, or the military or the government or Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Whoever it is, I forgive them all. And I choose to step up into the free gift grace of Jesus Christ. Now take one giant step right where you are. Say, I'm, I'm going up into grace. I'm in grace. That's where I belong. And the enemy can't get at me here. I just forgive everybody for everything. And the record's clean. And... Uh, Take a deep breath and breathe all that stress out. Father, I pray for each of these now. I ask you to run your supernatural presence through all their generations. And I break off of them every curse, every, every witchcraft curse, everything of violence, everything of sexual impurity. I just Break it all off of you and cancel every assignment in the name of Jesus Christ. And I invite you into the inheritance of your heavenly Father and his kingdom. And let you just find that place of peace. And it may be that some of you here have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You need to be thinking about that one right now. Now, there's someone else you need to forgive. You know who that is? Yourself. 
Because some of us have said, well, I'm sure maybe God has forgiven me, but I could never forgive myself. Well, why is that? Well, you don't know what I've done. I've, I caused an accident and the person died. Or I had an abortion and I can't turn that around. Or whatever it was. And so I just can't forgive myself. Listen, if God has forgiven you, which he has when you ask him, don't try and be more righteous than God. So he wants you free. You need to forgive yourself for all the stupid, dumb things you've done. Are you ready? How many are ready? Hands up. Here we go. Lord, I choose tonight to forgive myself. I give myself a gift that I cannot earn and I do not deserve. My own forgiveness. I tear up the IOU and I throw it at the foot of the cross. Now just take that paper out of your heart and tear it up in little pieces. Just tear it up, throw it down. Now there's one more person. Can you guess who that is? You're good at this, aren't you? <laughs> that would be God. Now, God has not done anything wrong. But we blamed him, and that's where we were wrong. Where were you when my family split up? Where were you when my little brother died? Where were you when my baby died? Where were you when uh, I, sh I, I was expecting an answer to prayer and it didn't come? Listen, you blamed the wrong one. God is good. It's the devil that's bad. Right? How many need to forgive God, uh, so to speak, because you blamed him? And you've been punishing him, actually, by sinning and backsliding and things like that sometimes, right? It's the only way you can think of to get back at him. How stupid. That's like shooting yourself in the foot. He's your friend. Let's do this together. Say it out loud. Oh, Lord, I am so sorry that I wrongly blamed and accused you. I take it all back. You're a good God. You're good. It's the devil that's bad. So, Lord, cancel that from my portfolio. And I just want it to be written in there that you are a very good father. So, Lord, now bring your peace to all these right here. May they go home transformed tonight by the goodness and the mercy of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus going to the cross made it possible for you to come into freedom this way. And believe me, it's the only way out. Because under the law, there's no freedom. If somebody murders your son, you know, they're arrested and put in prison, big deal. That doesn't bring your son back, does it? But there's only the grace of the Lord Jesus that can turn it around to the point where it gets healed up.
Now, is there any of you here that need to surrender your life to Jesus? Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you once were, but you got hurt along the way. And uh, bitterness set in, and, you know, you've just been floundering or stumbling ever since. But you, tonight you want to come on back home. Is that anybody here in the room? If that's you, I want you to admit it to yourself. I need the Savior in my life and in my heart. And see, this is how it works, where you and I get honest with him. If you play the game, it doesn't work. But if you get honest and real, then it really works. Because he's truth, and, and he moves when we're truthful and honest. So you just need to say, God, I'm really sorry the way it's gone, and I want you back in my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to serve you after all. That, that's all you need to do. So just take a moment and do that. <sighs> okay. Is there anyone here in the room who did that? If so, I want you to take a bold step and unashamedly hold your hand up high so I can see you because I want to pray for you. Anyone? God bless you, sir. Bless you over there. Bless you here. Any others? Bless you. And you young man right there. And you guys right here. I wish I could have you all close. Maybe the six of you just press in a little bit and come on around. The greatest moment for any of us is when we own up to our stuff and we invite Jesus Christ in our heart. It's not church. It's Jesus. And church can help in as much as you need friends and family around you, but it's a very personal thing. That's why it's hard to raise your hand. It's like, eh, you know, I don't want everybody to see me. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling bad enough without saying, hey, look at me, you know. But we've all done something like that. We've all needed to. I'll never forget the day I did. I was resisting it with everything that was in me. And a uh, Billy Graham meeting many years ago in downtown Toronto. And my grandfather leaned over to me and he said, John, if you're not sure, you better go. Well, that just cut through my stubbornness. And I ran down to the altar. I was the last one there among hundreds of people. And I found Jesus that night. <sighs> and what a difference that made, you know. I didn't know all this stuff about forgiveness. I just heard the gospel and I responded to it. And it really changed me. But I want you to walk with him. I want you to learn to, to love him and fall in love with him. He's a friend who will never betray you. And you can count on him. He paid your debt and will continue to do so. So let's all pray this prayer as a remembrance but you, six or however many there is around me, I want you to mean it like you've never meant anything in all your life.
Because again, it's between you and him, really. I'm just trying to help it. Are you ready? Everybody, as a prayer remembrance, here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I admit that I have sinned. I've done many wrong things. And it's partly because I've been so sinned against and so hurt by others. But I've sinned. I owe a great debt and I cannot repay you. I ask you to have mercy on me. I open my heart to you. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. So as of tonight, you are my living Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me and giving me the gift of eternal life. Wow. Amen. Now tell somebody what that Jesus just came into your life. Just anybody right around you, close. Just tell somebody, Jesus just came into my life. Go on, tell them. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. I think we should all give the Lord a big shout right here. It's a freedom shout. Come on, yell, freedom! And we take our freedom through Jesus Christ. What a champion he is. All right. Go take your seats again. Somebody's freedom shall hit him right in the nose. <laughs> Heal him all up, Lord, which what we want to do is transition into a healing time really right now. And maybe starting with his nose. You never forget the night he came back to Christ. He got a bloody nose to prove it. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> How many of you need a physical healing tonight? Hands up. How many don't need one, but you would like one anyway? Hands up. Okay. See, a lot of times we're like, well, my stuff's not so bad. A little bit of athlete's foot, a little bit of ache and pain, a little bit of this. or th I can handle it. You can have it just because he's so generous. So why don't we all just step into his grace right now? Because that's where the river flows. Just come before him right now. Just a little bit lower if we could. I want you to know it is absolutely the will of God to heal you. No question. How do I know that? Because Jesus healed everybody. And he only ever did what he saw the Father doing and heard the Father speaking. So it's the will of God to heal everybody. 
Well, then why am I not healed? I've had prayer 25 times. It's because it's a complicated question. The why am I not healed has to do with things like maybe there was bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart that was blocking it. Or could be a number of other things. Yeah? Secondly, his time is now. How do I know that? What do you think? It's because he's the great I am. He's the ever-present one. He does everything now. He's not so much the great I will be, though he will be. He's the great I am. So I want you to just take hold of that because many books have been written about how, how it's good to suffer and uh, that what you learn from that and everything else. And, you know, um, people would say, well, hey, if I hadn't have got sick, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital. I wouldn't have been beside that person who shared Christ with me. And so it was actually good that I got sick and went to the hospital and found Jesus. So, yeah, that's good. It's much like the drug dealer uh, who would say, you know, if, if I hadn't have been so messed up on drugs, I never would have crashed and burned. And so I never would have been open to hearing the gospel. So, but you can't say, well, good job you were a drug dealer then, or you could have been lost forever. See, it wasn't God's idea to get you hooked on drugs. That he uses everything to, to, towards good. So just realize that he wants to bring us all into grace and heal us before disaster strikes, if possible. It would be better for you to get saved and on fire for God and start going into the hospital and witnessing to people in there who, who need to know about Jesus. And, but however it comes, you see, he's... Are you getting my point? Now, a lot of people would say, uh, well, I don't believe it's the will of God to heal me. Huh. All right, well then, why are you running off to the doctor trying to get out of the will of God? Right? <laughs> See, we know better. We know better in here. It's just that people have messed with our thinking, and so we're confused. It is the will of God to heal you. Jesus healed everybody. That's not hard, is it? Why aren't they healed? That's another question. But keep coming back, coming back, coming back until you get it. Now, one of my favorite ways to deal with a healing is with the kingdom breaking in upon people. Now, there's different ways to do it. We could have a healing line where I go around and lay hands on everybody, but that would mean just a quick prayer and probably ineffective. But we could get a few. But I would like to see every single one of you healed. And so the Holy Spirit is in the room, and he's up for that. And I like to remind us all that Jesus and John the Baptist taught the kingdom of heaven is within your reach. Kingdoms at hand, 
How many remember him saying that? John preached it. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus comes along. He preached it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's that mean? It means the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's within your reach. That means you can have it. And you know what else? There's no sickness in heaven. There's no broken arms or fingers or whatever. There's no broken torn tendons and shoulders. There's no sickness, no cancer. There's no blindness, deafness. There's no migraine headaches. There's no skin conditions. There's no cancers. There's no tumors. There's no bad heart conditions or lung conditions. There's no problems in heaven. Agree? So if heaven comes down on you, guess what has to happen to your pain? Has to go. Because nothing stops the Holy Spirit. There's not a demon in hell that can stop him. It's not like a dualism where they're almost evenly matched. When God shows up, it's like an elephant and a flea. And the flea is no match for the elephant. And so that's, that's what we want to say. Put your faith in God right now. Now let's stand on our feet. And we're going to reach into that invisible realm for the kingdom of heaven. And the why we reach is because that's our, that's our little step of faith. We could be passive and sit there and, well, I'm here. He knows I'm here if he wants to do something. Let him just drop down on me. But, but that's being passive about it. But when we're active, no, we're going to reach for the kingdom. So I want you, by faith, like a little five-year-old, and don't analyze this till tomorrow. <laughs> just reach your hands up into that invisible realm and by faith, put your hands into that thick, oily presence of the Holy Spirit who's flowing in this room like a mighty river. And just get that electricity all over your hands. Get that heat. Get that weight. Get that oil. Get that gold all over you. Let your hands be an extension of the hands of Jesus. And bring them down and lay them upon your body where it hurts. Your headaches, your heartache, your stomach ache, your emotional pain, your, your uh, mental confusion, your contagious incurable disease, whatever it is. And say this with me. This healing belongs to me. Because of what Jesus has done at the whipping and at the cross, I receive my healing now as a free gift of his love. Now just breathe it in. Stress goes out. Faith arises. Anointing burns upon their body. Lord, I take authority over those tumors. And I tell you, go from her in the mighty name of Jesus.
Lord, I take authority over that deafness, that hard of hearing, and I say, come out, Spirit, loose them and go. I cancel your assignment. Come out and loose them in Jesus' name. That loss of vision, I bless those eyes to see in the name of Jesus. Lord, that pain in that body, all down through that spine, all in those hips and those joints, those knees. Flow through them, wonderful Holy Spirit. I tell pain to go, immobility to go, and just let healing come upon them as we have all stepped into your grace where the river flows. So sweep upon them, Holy Spirit. Heal them and fill them, I pray. I feel like let's just wait on him for a moment and just, just love on him and thank him just for a minute or two. Breathe in the breath of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for touching those hips. Thank you for touching that spine. Thank you for breaking the trauma of those injuries off of that one. We forgive that driver that caused the wreck that injured my body. He owes us nothing. We receive your loving grace right now. Lord, if we caused our own injuries, we forgive ourselves. And we receive that wonderful, moving river of your anointing and your presence. Let your joy break forth. Sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Just sweep over your people, your precious people of Michigan that you love. Come, Holy Spirit. Let them feel your presence. Burn on them. Okay, I want you to do what you could not do before. Just bend, twist, turn, push, pull, move it, check it. If you had presenting symptoms, move that shoulder, move that elbow. Somebody's elbow just healed right now. In the name of the Lord, I thank you for it, Lord God. Somebody's eyes being healed. I don't know, it's like a lot of floaters all the time going through your eye. The Lord's just erasing those in Jesus' name. But I want you to check yourself. And if you feel like something is going on and it's a lot better than it was, I want you to wave your hand excitedly. Just all over the room. Just wave at me excitedly so I can tell who's just checking it out and who's, who's excited. Okay, 
over here, over back there, back there. If that's you waving, I want you to come on up. Come quickly, and we'll just, uh, we'll just see what God is doing. Give him thanks and praise for it. And uh, your, your story will encourage a whole lot more. What's happening, sweetie? I was told I had a cyst that went here all the way down, and I've been having a hard more time to walk and just pain on it. I'm sleeping and not sleeping and walking, and I was just doing what you said, and it wasn't hurting as it was throughout the whole evening. It's very minimal now than it was. What was the pain at out of 10? Like what? Oh, it, it was more of a bothersome throb, so it was probably a three or four. But and now? Um, it's one. What's that tells you? It's the Father's will to heal you. For that cyst dies in Jesus' name. It comes out of her. And every bit of the pain goes. In the name of the Lord Jesus. What's happened to you? Two things. I've had tinnitus for months, and it's gone. <laughs> no ringing, nothing. And my back has been hurting for at least two months. I couldn't bend over <laughs> without it hurting, and it's gone. Wow. Who, who was the mighty evangelist who prayed for you? Me. <laughs> that would be you right there. Isn't that great? See, everybody can do this. We're all his, and he lives within us. And he's put a fountain of you in you that just bubbles up with joy and peace and healing and everything else. Fire on him, Lord. Oh, I worship you. What's happened to you? It was just a problem with a chronic irritation in my throat that an ENT specialist couldn't do anything about, couldn't diagnose or anything, but I feel fine. Thank you. Gone? Yes, gone. <laughs> wow. Yes, right here. <laughs> you stretch your hands toward him and say, put fire on him right here. In Jesus' name. Come on, what's happened to you? I have some crookedness in my hips sometimes, and um, it was hurting today before I came, and um, now it's not. So there's there's a little bit of ache still in my neck, but I'm really grateful that my hips feel better. They were hurting last week too, and when I came up for prayer, they felt a lot better after that too. But you know, when we get healed in a meeting. The enemy will say things like this. Oh, yeah, well, that's in a meeting when the emotion is high. And you'll go back home and it'll be back. I don't want you to listen to that. Because this is not emotional hype. There's a reality here to the Holy Spirit coming. So I want every one of you to keep your healing. And so what that means is if it ever tries to come back, you just do what you did here and do it again. You put your hands up into that invisible realm of the kingdom and why it works is because it's a reach of faith you see so by faith you take a hold of that you get the holy spirit all over you and you bring that down and rub it on your hips 
and rub it on your kids while you're at it, <laughs> right? And you say, no, I'm having my healing because it's already paid for by Jesus. So I'm having it. And you just don't let go. You don't fight the devil. You treat him like he's defeated because he is. All right? Fill her up, Papa. <sighs> Fill her up. Bless these amazing children here. Yeah. What's happened to you, my dear? You're the Mennonite lady, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> A lot of years ago, we had an auto accident, and my neck was injured. And it just, every once in a while, it's flared up, and it hurts. My shoulders hurt, and then I can't sleep. And um, while you were praying, my husband put his hand on my neck, and he has a back problem, so I put my hand on his <laughs> back. And we just kind of prayed together. And we also um, had a son that passed away uh, six weeks ago. And we felt like that we were blaming um, us for not being healed because we suffered so much grief from losing him. We talked about that today and we agreed that we're not going to do that anymore. Amen. We're not going to let Satan rob our healing because he chose to take Ben home. Yeah. And by the way, Ben was 13. So my neck doesn't hurt right now. <laughs> I can just smooth it all over. And thank you. Isn't that great? <laughs> it is. Shiva, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Whenever we loose, it's loosed in heaven. And they loosed. And you've healed. You're so good. Fill her up now. Fresh, fresh, fresh anointing. In Jesus' name, this neck is restored. Every bit of calcium buildup goes. Every bit of arthritis goes out. The nerves settle down. The discs go to normal. And just restore her perfectly. That's the Father's will. In Jesus' name. Anyone else coming? Lifestyles of the poor and unknown. What's happened? Um, when we were at the meeting earlier today, um, my my shoulder, I, I've had it hurt for a long time. I've been going to physical therapy, but I, I couldn't put it straight up like that, and now I can. <laughs> and I can even make it go all the way around. So that's nice. And I tested this, and I can't quite do this all the way without it hurting, but it's so much better, and it's really exciting. So you're going to work that until, keep putting the anointing on it, <laughs> until it works just fine. I think you've got it, haven't you? See, the greater one lives in you. <laughs> and he wasn't kidding when he said John 14, verse 12. The works that I do, you will do. Even on yourself. It's amazing, isn't it? Cool. 
Fill her up, Daddy. Thanks, 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 thanks. I'm going to get you to do this one more time. Lift your hands up. By faith, little children, put them into that invisible presence of the Holy Spirit. And get that anointing all over you. And I want you to adopt a lifestyle of praying for people, yourself included, so they get healed. There's a funny thing that we've noticed, and that is people like strangers that you meet at the restaurant or the airport or the office or wherever, they get healed 95% of the time when little old you pray for them by just doing that same thing I've done. Just say this little prayer after me. This healing belongs to me. They'll say it. Because of what Jesus has done, they may balk at that. Say, I'll go on and say it. It won't hurt you. <laughs> I receive my healing now in the name of Jesus. Now check yourself. Boom. How did you do that? Oh, that was Jesus on the outside. Would you like him on the inside? And we can set this city on fire for God. Yeah. Lift your hands up and get it all over you. And we're going to practice on the person near you right now. So I want you to get with one other person at least. And say, what do you need from God? And then say, well, this is your lucky night because I'm here with the anointing, armed and dangerous. And you just get them to say that little prayer with you and lead them through that little prayer. And let's believe for miracles before we go because it's after 10 and church in the morning and all that good stuff. But I want you to go for it and release healing into your friend right here. Because even the people who got healed probably need healing of something else as well. A lot of Some people have more than one thing wrong. Okay, like it's your shoulder and also your foot type thing. Have a go.